0: Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time to get it started with First and Ten with Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon.
1: What's going on, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation First and Ten, your weekly go-to for Raiders news and analysis. Uh, before we get to uh, our great co-host, Sam Gordon, and also before we start talking about some good news, finally, uh, for Raider Nation. And uh, you know what? We're, we're impartial here without question, uh, but we're happy for Raider Nation because I know you guys have been feeling it uh, for far too long <laughs> this year. We get the emails. We get the DMs on Twitter. Uh, we get hit up on Facebook and and all those good things, and and we felt your pain. So nice of the Raiders uh, to reward you guys uh, with a victory on Sunday. But before we get to all that, I just want to let you know that Vegas Nation podcasts are sponsored by Station Casinos. STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. I just knocked off. I I, I just I pounded uh, a Liquid Death before we came on, so I'm ready to go. I'm refreshed. I'm hydrated. Uh, I'm in good spirits and. Of course, it's always a good time to bring on Sam, Sam Gordon, our great co-host. Samuel, how are you doing, my brother?
2: Man, Vinny, I'm doing well. How uh, was the um,
1: Mile High City? The Mile High City was, uh, I, I like going to Denver. It's a, okay. uh, it's, a, it's It's. one of the good uh, places to go um, on uh, as far as the road trips goes. It's always, you know, a big game. I don't care what the records are between the Raiders and, and the Denver Broncos. And you feel that uh, in the stadium and, and in and around town. And uh, for the Raiders' perspective, boy, I'll tell you what, you um, You know, again, we're impartial here without question, and we write the stories and do the podcasts and do the videos and write our columns and all that good stuff. Win, lose, or draw. Uh, but you can sense, Sam, you can sense that, um, this was a, uh, a nice moment for the Raiders. They enjoyed it, uh, as, they, as they should. They've been working really hard. They haven't come up with the results, obviously, yet this year. But it was probably pretty darn good for their psyche that they were able to finally do the necessary things to win a game on Sunday. Uh, and the type of game that they've been losing far too often this year. And just return home to Las Vegas with a little bit of positive. Positive uh, energy and momentum.
2: Yeah, def- definitely, Vinny. This sense of relief, right? Just like you can exhale for a second. Um, the, I mean, they had one of a one-score game, which is something they obviously went to Denver to do, and that they did. And they have one on the road. So to to, to accomplish to, to accomplish both those things things that you have to do in order to be a good football team in the National Football League and to make a deep run, because this a lot of games are played you know within a three to seven point margin, as we've seen for the Raiders this season. You got to be able to win those, and you got to be able to take your you play your best football on the road, which is hard to do. Um, and so to go into altitude in a rivalry game uh, against the Denver Bronco team that is in a similar spot, right? Very underwhelming. Um, for what they from what they expected to equally um, in, in need of a win, um, definitely a sense of relief for the Raiders and and I got that sense certainly. You were in Denver, I was not. I watched the game on TV and then uh, attended Josh McDaniels' press conference yesterday. I got the sense just speaking with Josh McDaniels how relieved he is, how relieved the team is just to like you said come back to Las Vegas with a little bit of good juju for once because this is the season we don't we don't need. I mean, it hasn't gone the way anybody thought it was going to go. We all understand that the Raiders understand that everybody understands that. But to at least have something foundational now, hey, they, they won a one-score game, they won on the road, gives you something to build on if you're Josh McDaniels, if you're that coaching staff, and in terms of the culture that they want to establish in that locker room.
1: Yeah, without question. And uh, I, I was just reminded um, watching them at the end of regulation when they put together a must-have drive to tie it. Uh, and then in overtime, when they put together an equally uh, must-have drive to win it on the touchdown pass to Devontae Adams, Devonte's words this week or this past week um, were ringing in my ears, and um, you know I've, I've, I've enjoyed covering Devontae Adams. He's really um, an intelligent kind of you know uh, very deep thinking type of a guy. I had no idea uh, about Devontae Adams from that perspective; just knew that he was a great player, um, and and really. Enjoying covering him and and, and his insight uh, onto things, route running, you know, the psyche of a team, all that good stuff. But one of the things that Devontae kept talking about last week, Sam, was uh, in these critical moments where the Raiders have failed so many times this year. His message um, just repeatedly last week was, look, just chill out, relax have some fun and go make plays like we've been making all our lives just to get here <laughs> to the NFL. Yeah, don't make the moment bigger than it is. Um, you know, obviously, and he acknowledges. Look, it's sometimes easier said than done with a young team. Um, you know, you put seventy thousand people in the stands and the lights are on. The moment is big. It's hard sometimes to separate the moment from the task at hand, but you have to do it at this level. And sometimes it's just taking a deep breath relaxing and going to do your job. And it felt like, Sam, uh, for the, for one of the few times this season, that's exactly what the Raiders did.
2: Yeah, no, no, absolutely, Vinny. And not, I mean, just at, at, at several critical junctures, right? I mean, this, the Raiders, I mean, they're in so many close games and we're on the wrong side of so many close games Um, This season, just because I thought just situationally, they just could not execute situationally around the goal line, around the red zone, untimely penalties in really big spots, just things like that, that, look, penalties are going to happen. You're going to take sacks. But just the, the, the timing and the understanding of time and situation, the Raiders just weren't putting things together. And they had to do that. Um, A number of times yesterday, just a number of times on both sides of the ball in the kicking game in special teams. And this was a close game. It was an unglamorous, right, physical um, football game with with two physical teams where, look, it wasn't always pretty. You were there. I saw it on TV. This was kind of an ugly game um, at, at times. And what it required, what the Raiders ultimately did do. That the Broncos didn't do was the Raiders executed situationally. I mean, they were the team that put together the drive to kick the field goal. They 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 they, they handled the clock better than Denver did when Denver had a chance to put the game away. Uh, they made plays defensively around the goal line. They, they they were able to get timely stops when they needed to. And they I thought they did an excellent job in controlling the field position for the better part of the game. That was something I know that Josh McDaniels had wanted to do a better job of. You know, talked about being better in the, in the return game and things like that. And, and the way all all three units um, complemented one another situationally, um, just showed a, a kind of poise, like you said, right? Maybe maybe when these one score losses mount and it's back to back to back and, and you're not playing well and the, the season's kind of unraveling, you know, that pressure probably, you know, it's, it, it starts to build to Devontae's point, right? So, so it's to see them execute situationally uh, in so many big spots, I think it's just, you know, proof, proof internally that, hey, they can do it. Uh, when they absolutely have to, they can play their best football and they can do it on the road against a rival team in, in altitude, right? Like like, let's not discount that in altitude. um, And even in overtime, when you, when you're extra fatigued and when it's been a long afternoon. So uh, it was, I mean, without question, right? The Raiders only have three wins. So it's not, it's not like there's a ton to draw from, but this is the kind of victory um, that good teams are able to, to, to have on a consistent basis. You might not always play your, your best football, but they found a way in adverse situations um, to win on the road and again that's a huge building block given where the team has been at this season and, and with the struggles that they've had it's a huge found it's a huge foundational piece or it can be right it can, it can be can yes. be now we have to see what what comes from it but it, it certainly can be they succeeded in a way that they hadn't yet this season on sunday and now it is that time of the show we are joined by chuck esposito director of race sports for station casinos chuck of course joins us every week to talk about the raiders The Vegas betting landscape in all things sports here on First and Ten. Chuck, welcome back to the show. Another wild week in the NFL. Some late finishes, some bad beats, some close games. What's new? How are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great, Sam. It's great to be back on with you guys. And, uh, you know, first, happy Thanksgiving uh, to you and your family. And, of course, all the listeners and viewers and getting ready for three big games on Thanksgiving. And uh, kind of an exciting week 12 with a, a lot going on. No, no doubt about it, Chuck.
2: Uh, this is the time of the year. I mean, as, as the calendar flips, as we're going to get into December, I think really see teams start to separate themselves. We've, we're starting, I think, see some of that um, already. But even more so, as we get into December, we're going to really learn a, a little bit, a thing or two about the contenders um, and the pretend, pretenders. I um, want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving as well and start by talking about the three games, right? Three great slate uh, of games. I, I think all interesting in their own respective ways, of course, the Bills sticking around and playing again um, in Detroit, giving 10 to the Lions, total 54 and a half. Then Dallas playing host to the Giants, NFC East rivalry, matchup that I'm super interested in uh, after what happened with these respective teams last week. Cowboys giving nine and a half, total 45. And then New England and Minnesota, how will the Vikings respond from their beatdown at the hands of the Cowboys? How will the Patriots respond after their emotional last minute win? Vikings giving two and a half, total 42 and a half. So, Chuck, when I when when I throw those three games at you, what are you looking at? What storylines are jumping out to you and what are
3: you going to be keeping an eye on uh, throughout the course of, of what's going to be a fun Thanksgiving day? Well, I know from our side of the counter, Sam, we're going to need either the Lions or the Giants to to cover the big number. Um, I think when you look at Bill's Lions, although the Bills at seven and three are still a really good team, they're currently behind the Dolphins. They're a wild card team, and you know people wouldn't really think about this, but if I threw out there, what team in the NFC is currently on the longest winning streak in football? It's the Detroit Lions winning three straight. There's no other NFC team that has more wins than that right now. They are the only team outside of San Francisco that is sitting on a three-game winning streak. So they are at home. They played better of late. Um, Swift is back into the rotation a little bit. So I think that helps. Uh, Josh Allen is 2-0 and on Thanksgiving games. So he kind of likes to play in the limelight You know, with an isolated game. And they're double-digit dogs right now, Detroit is, at home. But my guess is we're going to need the Lions in that early game. In the second game, I think if this game was played two or three weeks ago, you would have seen a number below a touchdown. Now it's almost at double digits. It's a product of the Giants having a lot of injuries. They're banged up somewhat, uh, lost a home game to Detroit, and mm. a Cowboy team right now that is trending the other way. I mean, they look so good. They're 4-1 and at home, and the Cowboys clearly have the ingredient to go on and play deep into January and early February, meaning they can run the ball with Zeke and Pollard. They play some of the best defense in any team in the league. I think they're the only team, or the, the, they've given up the least amount of points in the NFC. They're not asking Dak to win games, just manage games. I think we're going to need the Giants as well. And the late game, if you're a Vikings player or fan, the thing you want is get back out there on the field and play. Um, yep. you know, they're going to want after getting destroyed at home by Dallas, have a good showing in the late game. Not sure who we're going to need there yet. I have seen some Patriot money uh, start to show, especially when the number was at three.
2: Thanksgiving, of course, getting another fun week 12 um, started. Chuck, I want to take a look real quickly at a couple other matchups as the calendar continues couple teams that are still hanging around, right? The Commanders and Falcons. It's not sexy by any means, but two teams that are still in the mix, still scratching and clawing in the NFC. Commanders giving four uh, to the Falcons, hosting the Falcons, total 42 and a half. Chuck, bigger, I mean, I'm surprised that both these teams are still hanging on, right? I mean, how are, are they going to make the playoffs? I'm not sure, but this feels like a crucial game for both squads. Um, who's been a bigger surprise that they're still relevant at this
3: point in the season? You know, you can make a case they both are, Sam. I think the hot start of the Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants, people kind of forgot about the Commanders a little bit. Uh, they've won two straight. The playoffs started today. All four teams in the NFC East would make it. We thought it was going to be the AFC West that maybe had four teams. Atlanta is at five and six. They've let a couple of games get away from them. They're a much better home team than a road team. I just think it's going to catch up with Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta will be there at the end as a playoff team. I think the Bucks will win the South. They'll be the only team that makes the playoffs out of the South. But this commander team is kind of fun to watch right now. Now Tyler Henneke's is playing really well. Um, and, and I clearly think that they're still in the mix, although they have three teams to kind of jump. But I like this commander's team. I think they're playing really good football. And, uh, you know, we've seen this number start to creep up a little bit since we first posted it on Monday.
2: Commanders obviously having to do that, compartmentalizing a lot with what they are going through as a franchise as well. We get a rematch this week of, of an AFC uh, divisional game for 2021. Chuck, the Titans and Bengals. Titans, a home dog, giving one and a half uh, to Cincinnati. Total 43. Chuck, two two teams that, I mean, these to me feel, I mean, feel like playoff teams, feel like teams that have been there and done that experience. They know each other. Uh, Tennessee is, is as well coached as any group, uh, in the NFL. And then you take a look at what Joe Burrow did on Sunday, throwing four more touchdowns uh, against Cincinnati. So all kind of storylines with this one, which one is your favorite?
3: Yeah, I agree with you, Sam. I think they're both playoff teams. Um, I think Vrabel's one of the best coaches in the league. What he did on that Thursday night to shorten the game up against Green Bay was, was masterful. He really does a tremendous job of doing that. I think they're a much better team with Tannehill right now. And when you get Burks into the lineup, and of course, being able to run with Henry, Cincinnati should have Jamar Chase back this week. Um, with that offense, they are dynamic. They can score with anybody. They're currently a wild card team where the Titans sit in the number two spot um, in the AFC. But I think you made a case for both these teams. We've seen the numbers start to tick up a little bit, but I'm sure the Brable and the Titans love the role as a home dog.
2: Chuck, I, 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 when I was scrolling through the lines, I had a double take, and it makes an absolute a ton of sense, and I get it. But I don't know if we've had a line this big. Uh, since since you since you joined me on the podcast, the Chiefs, Chuck, giving fifteen. Fifteen to the defending Super Bowl champion Rams, who are in a free fall and don't seem to have any outs. Again, the line makes sense, but it's as big of a number as I've seen since we've been doing this.
3: I think Sam, when you when you're on your third string quarterback in Perkins, uh, you know, we saw just a glimpse uh, last week. You have no Cooper Cup. You've got a number of injuries. You cut Daryl Henderson today. Um, And it's a a Ram team that I don't think is making the playoffs. They're three and seven. We talked about Detroit and kind of the win streak that they're on. But you look at the, the Rams right now, outside of the Texans, they're currently on the longest losing streak of any team in the league. At four straight, I just don't think they've got the firepower with that offense. When you play against the Chiefs, who are on a four-game winning streak right now, who are four and one at home to compete, we saw what the Chiefs did against the Chargers um, on prime time the other night. I just think it's two teams trending the opposite way, and a Ram team that has so many injuries and on a third-string quarterback, they're definitely trending the wrong direction.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, while well, it just it, it would so seem that the Chiefs are are peaking at the right time after another great road victory, quote unquote road victory against the Chargers. Chuck, we'll get you out of here on this. The Philadelphia Eagles, right? They barely hang on. They've struggled against the number uh, a little bit in the last few games, but they are giving seven uh, to a Green Bay team, a total forty-six and a half. A Green Bay team that, quite frankly, uh, to me, I felt like that was it on Thursday night with their loss um, to Tennessee. So. Is this the game where Philly bounces back and, and, and finds their mojo that they had earlier earlier in the season? That's what that's what I'm going to be looking out for.
3: I'm not overly concerned um, with Philly. Um, you know, granted they had to come back in that game and win, which they did. The game against the Commander, they had a, a couple of bad penalties, a penalty that wasn't uh, called, and then um, they, they had that drop that long bomb dropped. Uh, by Quez Watkins that would have put him in a position to win that game it's tough in this league Sam to, to you know to win and cover every string, every single week we mm-hmm. had that prop up of them 17-0 they're a really good team right now. They've got a three-game lead over over the Cowboys because they've beaten them in one game. I think it's a Packer team that Watson has played a little bit better. you got Aaron Jones in the mix, but they're just not that good. It seems like a big number against Aaron Rodgers. It wouldn't surprise me to see some value on the Packers getting a touchdown now and, and saying, hey, if you want to bet the Eagles, they're forced to win by two scores here, which seems like a lot, but I'm not overly concerned with the Eagles. My guess is we'll still probably need the Packers uh, to cover. Come Sunday night.
2: Absolutely, Chuck. Well, we, before we get out of here, anything else you want to touch on with what promises, again, as always, to be an exciting week 12?
3: I think it's just the uncertainty of like what's going on in some of the games as far as quarterbacks going. We're not sure what's going to happen with Kyler Murray or not. And then you look at the Bears' Jets. I mean, the Bears have been such a product of, of kind of the emergence of, of, of Justin Fields. My, my, my feeling is that he's not going to play in this game. I think the Bears have a bye coming up on week 14. You can actually have him out for a few weeks. You're in the third overall draft position right now. Why hurt your future? I think Fields does not start for the Bears on Sunday. But the bigger question mark is who's going to start with the Jets? Um, you know, Is it going to be Zach Wilson? Is it going to be Mike White? Or is it going to be Joe Flacco? I think that's the big question mark out there right now is who's going to start for the Jets on Sunday.
2: Absolutely, Chuck. The Jets' season potentially in flux, depending on which way this game goes. We appreciate the expertise, Chuck. Looking forward to catching up again after week 12 next week.
3: All right. Thanks, Sam. And again, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and, and all the listeners and viewers. And I look forward to chatting at that time.
2: Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Take care, Chuck. Locals know,
3: the STN Sports
2: app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across
3: Las Vegas, so download the STN Sports app today.
0: You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid debt and it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying Liquid Death in the vending machine, so I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get Liquid Death at your local Smiths, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation.
1: I want to go back to um, to Sunday, the previous Sunday uh, yeah. against the Colts, and you know we heard from a very emotional uh, Derek Carr, um, and he had some choice words, um, you know, kind of alluding to certain things in terms of, you know, who's willing to do what they need to do here, who's willing to work harder and and you know be about it even more and care even more, um, uh, you know, and and so the reason I bring that up is because. It seemed like there was nationally this this perception that oh my gosh Derek Carr lost the locker room by saying certain things like that and 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 Sam maybe I covered Kobe Bryant too much or headstrong athletes too much that um, put pressure and drove a hard bargain with themselves and their teammates and their coaches and everybody else that I got to ask you this how fragile are we these days if that what the quarterback said Derek Carr said after that game that you actually think a locker room could get lost because he's laying down a gauntlet like that. Like, are we really there? Like, that's what would make you say, you know what, I'm tuning him out because my feelings are hurt. I mean, honestly, I got to ask you that. Like, am I missing something here? Like, that's going to be the thing that somebody is going to tune uh, him out for and, the, and and threaten to to shatter the locker room. Are we being serious right now?
2: I mean, I yeah, I never – I yeah, I mean, <laughs> I never got the vibe. Look, I mean, he, he was emotional at the podium, and I never got – I never certainly, Vinny, got the, the vibe that it was anything beyond that, anything beyond a guy wearing his emotions on the sleeve. And, yeah, you know, m- maybe saying some things uh, at the podium, but at the end of the day – look at how the team responded, right? Like this, this is a guy that, that this is their car. Who's a veteran. Who's been in this league. Who's been with the Raiders for a really long time, understands the franchise better than anybody here in terms of players, right? He's the longest 10 year dude here. Um, that would look, look at how the team responded. That's all. That's all I got to say to me on Sunday it would have been a very easy time to check out. You're 2-7. and seven, You lose at home to the Colts. Uh, all these one-score losses aren't going your way, and you're in a dogfight with Denver on the road where you have to come from behind, right? That would have been a very easy spot for the, for, for the Raiders to check out, and they didn't, and that goes to show that for all the struggles that they've had so far, right, and they have had a ton of struggles, and we understand that, that there still is – Belief in that locker room and and in understanding that there are guys that want to get on the same page in terms of setting a foundation here, right? So, with that being said, um, in terms of Carl's comments, yeah, I mean, that, that he was emotional, it was what it was. I was impressed with his way, his with what he brought to the table and his way to move on and regroup and how we played on Sunday. Didn't play the perfect game by any means, we understand that, but when they absolutely had to have his best. He was absolutely composed down the stretch, both at the end of regulation and in overtime. So he put his, you know, more or less metaphorically money where his mouth is. And I thought played his best game of the season as well. So he wants that 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 those standards raised um, for those around him. He raised his standard of play himself, and lo and behold, a victory. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and the reason I ask is because you know I go, we
1: all go on a lot of radio shows and whatnot, and visit with you know the uh, the writers and the media from the opposing team, whether they're here at Allegiant Stadium or we go on the road. And I and I I, I was asked that question a bunch of times on some of these interviews. I'm like, wait a minute, really? Are we? Does, is anyone really drawing that conclusion uh, from that? And, and I'll say this, too. This is the last thing I'll say about it, Sam. If there is anybody um, uh, you know, in that locker room that wasn't mentally tough enough to take that for what it was meant to be and they checked out as a result, those are the guys you don't want on your team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like If that's what's going to push you over the edge, you need to go probably find some other place to play. Um, and part of building a culture and creating a culture, a winning culture, is figuring out, who who those guys are or aren't, and so um, yeah, I just felt like uh, somebody was misreading uh, some things that were said, or or and 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 it, all you have to do is look at the video after that game of uh, the the jubilation in the Raiders' locker room. We were standing outside the locker room and we could hear everything that was going on in there, uh, and how. Uh, he was received, Derek Carr was received by his teammates afterwards. There were, There's a lot of respect for that guy. Whether he's the quarterback of the future, the guy, a Super Bowl winning QB, a guy that they're going to trade at the end of the season, that's all, those are decisions that, that others are going to make. Um, but I'll say this, there's nobody that's more respected in the Raiders locker room than Derek Carr, regardless of how you feel about him in any other way. That I can absolutely report with confidence that he is, the most respected guy on that team.
2: And this respect, and that's respect you earn, right? Being here since 2014, continuing um, to, to be to, to, to come in in every season and be prepared to play um, at a high level, regardless of the circumstances around him, right? He's not a perfect football player. He's not the perfect quarterback. He has had his fair share of struggles, right? And, and ha- has taken his fair share of accountability um, in some of the losses this year. That, that, that's understandable. But from just from from a leadership perspective, Vinny, um, I, I think he he really flexed that last year, right? Down the stretch with everything that. Team went through. I thought he his play um, and his leadership was a crucial component, what many components, right? But one of the crucial components that helped that team pull together uh, and, and make that playoff run. So yeah, his. I mean, this is a veteran quarterback whose leadership has been has been proven at, at crisis points, and he's dealt with a lot of crisis points um, at times with this organization. So with that being said, uh, yeah, I was I was you know to, 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 on top of your point, super impressed um, with how he played on Sunday too, because he was a guy that had to come through and big Moments in key spots, uh, and he was able to deliver with poise, um, with accuracy, and with precision when it was called upon on Sunday against the Broncos. You know who else uh,
1: delivered? A guy by the name of Devonte Adams. Yes, right? yes. Yeah, yeah. And you wrote about him, uh, you know, uh, in the review journal over at Vegas Nation. You can check out Sam's great story about it, but. Boy, oh boy. Um, there's times even in our job where you just have to kind of take a step back and go, and we're watching one of the all-time greats right here. And I I truly believe
3: mm-hmm. he, all you have
1: to do is look at the statistics to what he's done to this point. They're, they're neck and neck with some of the greats of this game. I, his ability, his route running ability um, on top of everything else is just a knowledge of the game. Like what he did to Patrick Sertain, um, you know, uh patrick today is a good pretty good football player sam yeah yeah yeah. you know what i'm saying so uh some of the routes that he was running including the one uh, that he broke off for the game winner where he just read the situation and read uh, what the defender was doing and said okay i'm gonna step ahead of you because goodbye uh i'm gonna go find myself wide open i was listening to the uh raiders broadcast and, and lincoln kenny's how how do you let a guy like that wide open well they didn't lose him he lost them on that play just by a great read and a great route running
2: yeah the art of i mean it's like i think josh mcdaniel said it on monday during his press conference but it's a game within the game right it's not just the physical tools with Devontae adams he has the size the speed the ball skills the the ability after the catch the physicality right like he is you know at 29 years old and as good as he's ever been um in his career physically but it's it's the nuance that 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 guys at that very 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 top level at any craft, right? It's the nuance that they're able to add and incorporate, and just the the, the footwork uh, and the, and the way he manipulates defenders into turning their hips and can explode and it's changing pace, right? It's not always going top speed all the time. It's not always sprinting. It's being able to change speeds and change pace, you know. And it's like 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 Luka Doncic on the basketball court or Chris Paul the way they're able to kind of bend defenders and then explode out of that. So he pairs you know his you know physical skills with his mental skills and you take a look at some of the production. Vinny, I mean, he's second touchdowns right now. He's averaging a touchdown a game. He's on pace for more than fifteen hundred yards. Right? Uh, this is a brand new situation from, for, you know, for him. He's, this, this proves that he's not he's not dependent on the play of Aaron Rodgers in order to produce at a high level. So, regardless of how the Raiders have played, like what what, what to your point, what we've seen this year, um, up close and personal is is a Hall of Fame level player at the absolute at what I believe the absolute apex, the peak of his powers. And it's not always. It's not scheme all the time that's getting him open he's just winning I mean he just wins at the line of scrimmage and and just creating separation in space in so many different ways so um, for for him I mean it's what three straight hundred yard games now 600 yard games this season Uh, he's been as good as he's ever been and as good as uh, there's some receivers having some great years Right. Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams has been as good as anybody um, this season. Just from the beginning to to where we're at right now, as consistent as anybody. uh, And and was, again, super dynamic in in helping the Raiders on obviously on Sunday. Right.
1: Yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, three and seven obviously doesn't look good uh, whatsoever. But one thing that the win did uh, for the Raiders on Sunday, it allowed them to move on still mathematically alive. Uh, still with an opportunity to maybe finish strong and whether they make the playoffs, whether that gets them there or not, which is a long shot, uh, pie in the sky kind of a thing right now. But there's still a way that you can turn this season positive going down the stretch, right? So um, that's going to require the Raiders taking care of business um, in these next couple of games in order to put themselves potentially in a position to really finish strong once a guy couple of guys come back and Darren Waller uh, and Hunter Renfrow. I think it's important to remember that what, what Devontae Adams is doing right now for the large part has been done without, um, you know, two really good players, players that the Raiders envisioned as a big part uh, of this whole operation. And I know people will say, well, Vinny, you know, he's going to get all the targets now because um, you know, uh, who else are they going to really throw it to? But that's kind of a double-edged sword because the other team knows that as well. And they're going to do everything in their power to make sure 17 uh, gets minimized but even with that Sam he's still getting his
2: yeah no question uh, Any, I mean there's not really a coverage you can design for him there's not really a, a player in, at least that I've seen in one on one situations and look guys are going to have bad games he's had bad games in his career for sure but more often than not And then, you you know, our angle where we see – watch a lot of games from where you see the play unfold or, you know, when fans and and spectators, when you take a look at the All-22, you can see it as well. I mean, he is – Creating oftentimes like just tons of space uh, between him, and, him and his defenders, and any scheme, defensive scheme or coverage they try and throw at him, you feel like he has an answer for, and that the Raiders collectively has an answer for. And that doesn't, again, obviously doesn't always lead to success for him or for the Raiders, but it goes to show you the effect that he can have on a game, regardless of what happens. With with when everything's going on around him, right? His consistency, his level of play hasn't dropped off, and that's that's what that's what I think you get from superstars. Kind of the expectation for superstars at this level, and that that's what what the Raiders. I mean, they have one on both sides of the ball too, right? Because Max Crosby, Vinny, I think, was just equally as disruptive. You know, he he was to their defense. Uh, on Sunday as what Devontae Adams was to the offense, just wreaking havoc and making timely play after timing play, blocking a field goal, the sacks applying pressure. I think that was crucial to see the, see a a pass rush uh, develop again for what the Raiders want to establish, especially considering how their first nine games looked on the defensive side of the ball. So we understand that it's Denver, but it's a start to be able to put together a full cohesive game defensively. And Max Crosby was right at the middle of that.
1: Yeah, no question about it. And, um, you know, you mentioned the blocked field goal. Um, he also had a uh, to t- to basically set that whole thing up. You know, play behind the line of scrimmage, forced a fumble. Yep, uh, that that uh, took out the Broncos. You know, going for it on fourth and goal, uh, and forcing the kick a field goal, blocks the field goal. All of that um, followed, uh, Sam a bad play that he had made on, on the penalty to extend that Denver drive uh, late in that first half also took away an opportunity for the Raiders to maybe get the ball late in the first half and go take the lead um, with a touchdown or tie it up with a field goal. But I say that to say this great players figure out ways to say, all right, I kind of blew it right there. I'm going to make that up for my team, and he definitely made it up for his team with the two plays down by the goal line, including the forced uh, or the the, the block field goal. Which, as Josh McDaniels pointed out after the game, if he doesn't, if they make that field goal in the at the end of the game, the Raiders had to actually score a touchdown to win it, rather than just kick a field goal to push it into overtime. And that was all because Max Crosby wasn't going to let the bad play in that drive define himself on that drive.
2: Yeah, maximum effort, right? The entire game. And that's what you get from Max Crosby. And that's why that's one of the reasons that he was um, able to be so disruptive. And, and you know, looking, I was, you know, glossing over some of the snap counts um, and stuff. And he didn't come off the field. He played 100% of defensive snaps. On the road, in altitude, clearly, I mean, I would imagine, right, as the focal point, if you're an offensive line and you're, you're setting up your blocking schemes, he's somebody you want to account for with how disruptive not only he is, he is as a pass rusher, but now one of the league's most disruptive run defenders uh, as well. So for, for him to kind of put forth that kind of performance and and move past uh, the mistakes, uh, because mistakes are part of the game, but mistakes happen, and for him to, for him to go get that back you know, for the Raiders in that spot... Was huge, and again, I, you know, you, you, I don't. It's, it's one game, it's one victory. Right now, to, now, you have to go on the road to Seattle, another really hostile place to play against a better team. The beneficiary, the real beneficiary. Of the Russell Wilson trade, uh, Gino Smith playing a great quarterback, Pete Carroll doing an excellent job. Their defense is good. They got a running game. Um, there's some balance there. So uh, t- t- to be able to put together that kind of performance, now you have to go duplicate that again. It's a tall task, uh, but the Raiders at the very least show that they're capable of staying, for, of maintaining their composure in big spots, in several key spots, on the road, in a big situation. Now we get to see if they can go do it again on Sunday.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely, and uh, dare I say, Sam, I think um, Pete Carroll is one of the more underrated coaches. Uh, for some reason, there's there's people run kind of hot and cold on him. This dude knew, knows what he's doing, and I remember yeah. talking to him at um, the scouting combine in Indianapolis, um, and uh, we, we talked about this this morning on our on our meeting for uh, for the Review Journal in, in Vegas Nation. He was so fired up, Sam, so fired up about. Um, what lay ahead for the Seahawks. And this was shortly before they traded Russell Wilson. So you know that he had an inkling of what of that, that, that trade was going to happen. But he's like, I am so fired up about this next phase. I am so fired up about this rebuild. I can't wait to get started. This is going to be so much fun. And he felt like an old cowboy that was getting ready to go on one last hurrah, one last cattle uh, push, you know, across the Montanas or whatever, you know uh one more he knew he's you know he's pushing uh age he's in the 70s now he's probably got one more run on him one more rebuild in him yeah and he was so fired up about that and look where he is right now and look where gino is i know a lot of people laughed at 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 pete for some of the things that he said well um i'm not saying that they're going to go win the super bowl or anything of that uh, 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 at all i think the raiders could go into seattle and compete with this team without question uh but Everybody wrote the Seahawks off this year as they're going to tank for the great quarterbacks that are coming out in the NFL draft. Well, uh, he definitely turned the tables uh, on everybody this year.
2: Six and four, Vinny, right? Right there in the mix, not only in the NFC West, but then the NFC Card picture as well. I mean, Gino early in the season was a, I mean, an MVP candidate, right? A dark horse MVP candidate. And it's, instead of veering towards possibly a quarterback with, you know, some of the draft capital that they have, and they have a lot of it after taking it, fleecing Denver uh, in the Russell Wilson trade. I think Geno Smith has played his way. I mean, we're going to see what happens, but there's a chance he's playing his way into a contract extension. He's been awesome this year. You know, top six, seven, eight guy this season by pretty much every metric. So now you he's only 32. You, you know you can play at the quarterback position for a long time. So, hey, maybe they this is what the second run looks like, right? Geno Smith playing as well as anybody. you got the rookie running back, Kenneth Walker, behind him, who was awesome at Michigan State. That's translated uh, here with the Seahawks. Right? Still two great receivers, D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and then a defense that was rejuvenated by an excellent draft class. So for for to, to, to your point, Vinny, about Pete Carroll being underrated, I think this is his finest coaching job yet, and, and certainly not what I expected. I thought the Seattle team was going to be one of the worst teams in the league, and... Uh, but he clearly had the pulse of this team, and there is clearly again a—you got to give him credit too for the culture uh, that they've set in place. Where they've just turned the page, they've moved on from Russell Wilson super swiftly. Here they here they go. The team has taken on a completely different identity, uh, and they're playing well. And they're playing competitive football week in and week out. They're getting good good play on both sides of the ball, uh, and have executed really well situationally and run, won some really big games. And of course, Seattle is always a tough spot to play. So. He he. By my estimation, I would imagine, um, and we can talk to our good friend. Uh, you know, we'll talk. We'll 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 monitor this moving forward. Um, but it has to be one of the favorites, one of the front runners for Coach of the Year. So he, that's how good of a coaching job he's doing. And if he gets this team uh, in position to make the playoffs or to win the NFC West, um, I would definitely imagine he'll 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 get some strong consideration for that award. Absolutely.
1: Uh, all that said, I think the Raiders. Um are probably sitting there thinking, well, you're not going to get the, uh, that award on our, on our watch. <laughs> so they have other ideas going up to Seattle. Uh, I don't know what that will mean, uh, for them. Uh, it's going to be a tough hostile place to play against a team that's playing for a lot yep. uh, in the Seattle Seahawks. So, uh, the Raiders are going to have to match that intensity, match that effort. Um, and you know, I know that there's a lot of pride right now. That's, uh, that's, that's going on with the Raiders. Um, uh, but they got to go over there and, and, and take care of business and get it done. So, Um, We'll see what happens uh, on Sunday. Uh, Whatever does happen, we'll be back next week to talk about it Um, and... In the meantime, have a great and safe, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, Sam, Larry Muir, our great producer, also to our great and loyal listeners uh, and supporters. We truly appreciate uh, that support. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, uh, just to remind everybody that Vegas Nation podcasts are sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death, uh, Stock Up on your liquid, liquid Death Uh, for Thanksgiving Uh, guys have a great one to everybody uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week